0: Psalm 57 Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge, in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, until the destroying storms pass by. I cry to God, Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample on me. God will send forth his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I lie down among lions that greedily devour human prey. Their teeth are spears and arrows, their tongues sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. First Samuel 25. Verses 2-22 through There was a man in Maon, whose property was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. The woman was clever and beautiful, but the man was surly and mean. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. Thus you shall salute him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing. All the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your sight for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have butchered for my shears and give it to the men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. David said to his men, Every man strap on on his sword, and every one of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword, and about four hundred men went up after David, while two hundred remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he shouted insults at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we never missed anything when we were in the fields, as long as we were with them. They were a wall to us both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this, and consider what you should do, for evil has been decided against our master and against all his house. He is so ill-natured that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail hurried and took two hundred loaves, two skins of fine wine, five sheep ready-dressed. 5 measures of parched grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs. She loaded them on donkeys and said to her young men, "'Go on ahead of me. I am coming after you.' But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came came down under the cover of the mountain, David and his men came toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, "'Surely it was in vain that I protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, "'so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him.' But he has returned me evil for good. God do so to David and more also by mourning if I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. First Corinthians chapter six verses one through eleven. When any of you have a grievance against another, do you dare take it to court before the unrighteous, instead of taking it before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels, to say nothing of ordinary matters? If you have ordinary cases, then, do you appoint as judges those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to decide between one believer and another, but a believer goes to court against a believer, and before unbelievers at that? In fact, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, and believers at that. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you used to be, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Good morning and welcome to the 20th Monday after Pentecost. This is Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning we pick up uh, Psalm 57 uh, There are a couple of things that stood out to me Just um, because I, I listen to music a lot um, If you're familiar with the band Me Without You They have this wonderful song about being ground by the lion's teeth To be made into flour um, To be uh, made for bread of heaven And uh, there's another song that talks about digging, uh, digging a trap um, that uh, was set for uh, set by your my enemies um, but they've fallen into themselves and then I'm pretty sure it's the same psalm um, Mumford and Sons has a song it may be titled Awake My Soul but I'm not sure it is and it bases the the kind of chorus off of uh, verse 8, Awake my soul, awake, O harp and lyre, I'll awake the dawn. Um, <clears throat> of course, Mumford and Sons, the band, they were children of Scottish ministers. Um, they, so they are likely heavily influenced by the Anglican Communion um, and uh, perhaps the BCP, but certainly the Psalms. And then we have a reading from 1 Samuel 25, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, because there's a lot to digest um, and then finally 1 Corinthians 6 uh, which I'll also talk about I think it's kind of an inter- interesting passage um, but the the middle reading um, is kind of long 1 Samuel 25 um, but essentially um, David is wandering around uh, with I think 600 men and he's been um um Occupying these pastures that's been that have been that have been uh, used by these shepherds and shearers um, that work for Nabal and his wife Abigail. And Nabal, like I, I feel like it's kind of like a stereotype: the the husband is this kind of uh, cantankerous, ill-tempered guy, and the wife is beautiful and smart. Um, you know. uh, the the opposites attract kind of thing must be in play. Um but David essentially tells his men to go and ask for help um from Nabal and um they say, Look, we've been we've been protecting your shepherds and <clears throat> uh we made sure that no harm came to them and um we This is a feast day and we need your help. Can you help us with some food? And they go to Nabal and he says, You know, I'm not, I can't really help you out. I don't know David or, you know, this Jesse character that he's descended from. Um, Everybody is kind of doing their own thing. All these servants are breaking away from their masters. Um, I'm not going to give you bread and water and meat uh, that are for my own people and give it to. Somebody I don't know. So David's incensed. Um, the culture cultural expectation at the time is um, places a very high priority on hospitality. And if Nabal has in fact benefited from the protection of David's men, then the it wouldn't have been outlandish to ask for something in return. Um, it's very likely that uh, they are uh, approaching. You know, Rosh, Hashani, Rosh Hashanah or or Shavuot or Tabernacles or something, and they they just don't have enough food to party, which is kind of what festivals are all about. Um, and so, Nabal, who's probably not Jewish and has no connection to Israel or Jesse or doesn't know who David is, and um, he's um, well, he's not Jewish or uh, Israelite. He is bound. By these cultural expectations uh, of nomads like David and him, um, and that is that hospitality is you know lifeline. You don't you know condemn someone to die um, just that you can get by. You share and try and help one another out so that you can both kind of eat by for the next day and the next rain. And so David's really pissed, and they are getting ready to uh, be pissed at Nabal and his household, and the same shepherds that have been protected and watched over by David's men go to Abigail this beautiful intelligent wife of Nabal's and they say look um, these guys did, did us a solid and your husband just can't can't talk to anybody because he's an asshole and um, so it's I, I bring up the passage because it's left us with a cliffhanger it's almost certain that it'll pick up tomorrow um, with verse 23 or whatever it is, and continue on, um, but it kind of closes with Abigail preparing all this food, going out on a donkey, which is a sign of humility. This beast of burden, which is not um, not um, at all, um, you know, ignorant of the foreshadowing of Jesus riding a donkey into. Um, Jerusalem for Passover um, the week before Passover for his passion week um, but it closes um, with its the, the reader's attention on David um, and he's basically kind of fuming and kind of building him and his men up so that they can you know slaughter Nabal and his household when they get there but it stops um, right as David kind of says to himself, um, if by morning I leave, uh, you know, let me, you know, be evil or die or whatever. If by morning I leave, so much as one male of all who belong to Nabal. So you're expecting this bloodbath, but it cuts us off, and so I suspect we'll hear more of this tomorrow. And finally, the reading from First Corinthians six. Um, it's the sub-t- the subtitle. In the NRSV, is lawsuits among believers, but it's really about more than just lawsuits. It's about judging and who will do judging and whether or not um, those who think that they might be the judges are actually, in fact, competent and trustworthy to to judge. Um, and you got to kind of backtrack it a bit. The there's a, a strain of thought. Um, in uh, Judaism at the time that the Israelites or the the righteous will judge all the unrighteous that it wasn't necessarily God that did it and there's bits and pieces of this especially I think in Mark um, where the apostles are the ones who will ultimately be the the judge over the world or I shouldn't say the apostles Um, Christians the martyrs, they will be the ones who will judge the world Um, And the assumption is to be a martyr, you must have a certain amount of commitment to the faith and certainly humility or confidence in not necessarily the world around you, but in the way that God made the world. Um, And, you know, you can't be a martyr and be an asshole like Nabal, basically. Um, And those are the perfect people to judge the world Um, probably leniently but that's just me speculating Um, and so the saints uh, the dearly departed, uh, those who are closest to Christ um, nearest his right hands Um, Paul writes to the Corinthians don't you know that the saints will judge the world Um, don't you know that we are to judge even angels who are above us to say nothing of ordinary mundane matters <clears throat> um, can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to decide between one believer and another? And so the Corinthians, the the church in, in Corinth um, has apparently fallen out of Paul's favor in terms of um, certain characteristics that they seem to think they have and that Paul reminds them that they don't seem to have. He's accusing them of being incompetent to rule over mundane matters and tells them in no uncertain terms that if you're not competent to do these things, then certainly you will not be competent to, do, to judge the world. Um, and therefore, you, you, you may not be I don't know, eligible for saintliness if clearly you can't even judge between believers. And Paul's upset because um, believers have gone to the secular courts to settle disputes between believers. Um, and this belies the trust within the church um, to settle these disputes, but also the competency. Um, the matters that were being heard but within the believer's community, those believers that had quarrels clearly did not trust um, those who were adjudicating uh, whatever it is that they were upset about. And so they go to unbelievers, and so it is this this veiled rebuke of um whoever it is um one or many people who are improperly or um, inadequately or inattentively judging matters between believers um and this is upsetting to Paul because it reflects you know lack of a lack of faith and a lack of competency so it It isn't necessarily, the focus is not about lawsuits, the focus is about competency to judge um, and the characters that the church um, calls forth from its members and um, really whether those members embody the qualities required to be good judges of the world. for the election of bishops and other ministers from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, giver of every good gift, look graciously on your church, and so guide the minds of those who shall choose bishops and other priests and ministers, that the church may receive faithful pastors, who will care for your people and equip them for their ministries. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash first formation slash support. You can sponsor Morning Prayer for Pew Pew People with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel it any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.